Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate, a show where we look into the scriptures to see how God wants us to live. Last week we went over humility and what false righteousness looks like. We saw that comparing ourselves to others will never justify us in the eyes of God. We also saw that it will not do a thing for dealing with the issues that we have in our heart. God is looking to deal with the issue as soon as the sin happens, not 15 days later. It is his righteousness imputed on us that makes us righteous. Isaiah said that our righteousness was like a filthy, blood-stained rag. Therefore, humble yourself, or do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Then the Father will lift you up and glorify you while he is glorifying the Son. The real you will shine through when this happens. People will finally really know who the real you is. And with that said, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day that we have with you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are giving us instruction on how to live, that you have not left us guessing what needs to be done. So Lord, as we dig into your word, we just ask that you would bless the hearers, that those who need to know what is being taught would hear this message and receive it in their hearts and carry it with them throughout the day. Lord, that you would give me the wisdom and the words to speak. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're starting off in James 4.11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. The first part we are looking at is the do not speak evil of one another. The speak evil is to speak slander. It's the Greek word kataleleo. It means to make a false and damaging statement about someone. And it ties nicely to the judgment part of this verse. Speaking falsely of someone doesn't happen by accident, at least not when you're trying to make them look bad. This means there's a judgment behind it. So we are right back to judging others. Does anyone else get the feeling that James is trying to get a point across here? The verse goes on. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Not that we are under the law, but here is the argument. You decide that your brother, whoever that is, is no good. You form a judgment against them. It manifests in slander. You have determined that the law is not good enough. And good enough for what, you ask? Well, good enough to deal with your brother. In forming the judgment against them, you formed a judgment against the law. It was insufficient in your eyes. You are greater than the law and more just. The verse goes on to say, if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Slam on the brakes, full stop. If you do not perform the law, you are not a doer of the law. It's pretty straightforward, but let's make it even more simple. If you are not driving the speed limit, you are not a doer of the law. That right there was a genius statement. We get that because it is something we can see. Most people have gotten at least one speeding ticket or at least a verbal warning from a cop. Everyone has seen someone else get pulled over for speeding. I don't care who you are or where you've lived, at some point in sh some sh way, shape or form, you have seen this happen. We see this law, it's posted on the street, so we understand it. James is talking about the same thing. Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments. Number five in particular, which says, thou shalt not kill. Most people on the planet get the idea that murder is bad. 
But Jesus made the distinction a little bit clearer. And if we look at Matthew 5, verses 21 through 22, You have heard it said that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, I have taught on this passage already, so I'm not going to go too deep, but Jesus took it from the external to the internal. Now it's not about what you do on the outside. It is about what you do on the inside. Incidentally, it must happen in your heart and mind before it happens in your hands. You don't just reflexively swing a punch at somebody without actually thinking about punching them first. There has to be an emotion and a thought formed before the action is taken. Your body just doesn't go out and punch people randomly. And this goes for everything that we do in life. And this was my buttery smooth segue into how we are not under the law. I'm going there because someone will say, yeah, but we're not under the law, so this doesn't apply. Gotcha, you're right. You are not under the law anymore. You're under grace from death to life. So now, if you are walking according to the flesh and getting into judgments, you have broken the law of grace as well. So whether you try to claim the law or you try to claim grace, you're stuck. Jesus got you coming and going on this. But here's the crazy part. In the case of the law, you have judged the law and determined it is insufficient to do its job. In the case of grace, you have judged Jesus and determined him to be insufficient to do his job. You have also disregarded his commandment to forgive in Matthew 18.22 and Matthew 6.14. Feel free to pause this and go back and look those up. Again, that's Matthew 18.22 and Matthew 6.14. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, you have a judgment against them. There is nothing about this setup that works in your favor. As soon as you get into judgment, as soon as you get into slander, And as soon as you start walking in the flesh, the whole system falls apart and you are back into the death. There's nothing good happening here. As soon as we step outside of Jesus, this judgment thing just gets heavy fast and gets us into more trouble than we can swim in. Our passage goes on. James 4, verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? There is only one judiciary or lawgiver. His name is God. You may know him as Jesus, or even the Holy Spirit, or possibly even the Father. But he is the only one who is fit to give any law. And seeing as how he is the only one who can judge righteously, he is the only fit judge. Here is the thing to keep in mind. God doesn't judge for selfish gain. It is always about sin. It is always about what is killing us. Nothing he does is for his gain. I know someone's going to say, but he does it to gain relationship with us, and he always says his way or the highway. Now, just stop and think about this for a minute. What does God gain from us? Absolutely nothing. What can you give to someone who can make something from nothing? If you guess nothing, you would be correct. So why go through all of this? because we are the ones who benefit in this relationship. We gain the provision, we gain the peace, we gain the protection, we gain the salvation, 
We gain the eternal life. We gain the spiritual blessings. These are all things that come from him to us. His judgments are about our gain. His commandments are about our gain to make sure that we do not suffer any real loss. Now, we aren't talking about physical loss of stuff, you know, your car, your house, some food, some money, whatever that may be. We're talking about the very real loss of spiritual life. The thing that is going to keep us separated from him in eternal death. It has all been about us. He isn't some egomaniac waiting to blast people for not being obedient. If you do not want to be obedient and submit to him, that's totally your choice. But you will reap the death that comes with it. So there is only one lawgiver, and he is able to save or destroy. Saved is exactly what it says. Sozo. It's just, that's what it is. Saved. Destroy is a fun little word. And I say fun in air quotes. Apolumi. It means to completely and utterly destroy. It comes from two Greek words. Apo, meaning off or cast away. And olotheros. It means to ruin, destroy, or kill. By extension, it means to deconstruct. Think about that for a second as we jump into Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. In other words, nothing that exists exists apart from him. It is all held together by his being and will. If he so chose, he could completely deconstruct you with a mere thought. One single thought. Let that sink in for a second. He has that power. And yet, not once has he ever flaunted that at you to scare you into submission. But that is the power that we are playing with on a daily basis. That is the power that we flippantly say no to on a regular basis. He tells us to do something and we either flat out tell him no or we just walk away and do whatever the heck we want. He could destroy us when we choose sin and death. And yet he doesn't. The question is why? Because he does truly and genuinely love us, and he wants us to love him without force, by our own choice, freely with joy. And then he commands us to love each other. James 4 verse 12 finishes with this. Who are you to judge another? In our pride and in our ignorance and in our superior wisdom, in air quotes, we think we know better. We think we have some kind of righteous standing that makes us able to pronounce judgment on others. Even if the words never leave our mouths, it is still in our heart. And yet, the only righteous judge, the only one who can judge and condemn and destroy, does not. He commanded us to love our fellow man after we love him, because we cannot love others with a love we do not have. And we can only get that love from him. So follow the example of Christ. Do not judge your brother. Do not harbor unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart. That just kills you, not them. And do not speak evil of someone else. You are not all-knowing or all-righteous. 
if, and I do mean if, you know someone who is not walking as they ought to, or they have hurt you, take them to Jesus. Ask him to open the eyes of their understanding to see how they are walking. In fact, if you really want to mess with that person, pray this over them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 21. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, for this to happen in a person's life when they are not walking correctly will change everything that you cannot even begin to imagine could happen. You will be keeping yourself out of trouble because you're praying for their benefit and for their blessing and for them to see what is the hope of his calling in their life and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints for them to really have an understanding of what is the height and the depth and the width of his love, what's going on in their lives and what he's trying to get through to them. So it'll keep you out of trouble and you'll be taking them to Jesus in a good and right manner, not with judgment and blasting and condemnation, but with love and concern. And this will affect you and your soul as well, all for the good. So the next time someone hurts you in any way, go before the father and ask him for healing and help. Gain his soul for this person. Then pray Ephesians 1, 16 through 21 over them. And while you're at it, pray it over yourself too, because you need it. Trust me, you need it. If you're breathing and you're listening to this message, you need it. It goes right back to James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We are not powerless when someone comes against us. We can love them and overcome what is happening. As long as we stay in Christ and do not walk in the flesh, as soon as you give place to the flesh, you are done. You're just toast. And with that said, I'm done as well. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you do love us, that you have not chosen to blast us with your mighty power, even though with a mere thought you could take every single person out of the picture, you could wipe us out of existence and start over again. You have chosen to give us chance after chance after chance to choose you and to choose you willingly. So Lord, as we go through this week and we go through our daily routines, we just ask that you would give us the wisdom that we need, that the eyes of our mind would be opened and enlightened, that we might see what is the hope of our calling, not just over ourselves, but over those who have hurt us, those who have come against us, those who have caused us upset. Lord, that our hearts would be right before you and that the hearers of this message would have these verses burned into their hearts. Lord, that each person would carry it with them and have a right response for every situation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are blessed. Go out there and love people. Don't slander and don't judge.